Have you ever thought about what is entailed in a constitution, what it actually is to talk about a constitution? And indeed to distinguish between a constitution and a written constitution. Andrew Blick, lecturer in politics at King's College, London, and a bit of a specialist on constitutions, and I teach constitutions myself. But what on earth is a constitution? If you weren't a specialist, how would you explain it to somebody? I'd like to say it's the rules that determine how our government operates, how the different bits of government relate to each other, what they can and can't do, and also their relationship with the governed, the people they govern. Mm -hmm. A lot of countries around the world now have the most important bits, or what they think are the most important bits, of that constitution committed into writing in some kind of document or set of documents that may have a special legal status, whereas a small group of countries, of which the UK is probably the most prominent, and then perhaps Israel and New Zealand are also in that group, haven't yet created this kind of a document, so they don't yet have what gets called a written constitution. Oh, right, so in a way there's a difference between a constitution and a written constitution. A constitution is a description of the organisation of government, together with the relationship with the people in the place, that's the horizontal bit, and a written constitution is reducing it all to writing. A particular document, more or less, is that it? Fair enough? That's what some would say. Some people would also say, unless you've actually got it written down, then it's uh, not worth the paper it's not written on. So there's a debate about what really is a constitution, yeah. but if we're looking at the, the broadest possible definition, it's, it's this group of rules, however so, so defined or however so written down. There's the executive the legislature and the judiciary, and fair enough, in all these liberal democratic frameworks you read about, there are those three. It doesn't have to be three, does it? Is that just choice? Yeah, I think that, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I mean, a lot of that goes back to our old friend Aristotle, who talked about three different functions of government, mm -hmm. which those, those certainly are three different functions, that the, the passing of laws, the enforcing of laws, and then the adjudication of disputes over those laws. So logically there are those three things that happen in they're, any system. They, they, exactly. I think, I think yeah. that's reasonable to say, but it doesn't mean they, they have to be attached to three different bodies. And actually, if you look at UK history, Parliament, the UK Parliament, the English Parliament as was, the Westminster Parliament, let's call it that, actually those three functions historically often merged into one. We have the concept of the Queen or the King in Parliament, which means the executive, the, uh, the body which actually makes the policy and forces the laws, is inside Parliament, mm -hmm. which is also the body that makes the laws. And then added to that, we used to have, until 2009, the highest court in the land, the law lords, within that body as well, in the House of Lords. So actually, if you look at the UK example, those three functions aren't separated out into different institutions, they're all included within the one overarching mm -hmm. institution, Parliament, which is, many, is in many ways what we, we have had instead of a, of a written constitution. Would you say, looking back on well, the thing everybody's talking about in England at the moment, and indeed, lucky academic, you're writing a book on it. Yeah. Yeah. You're writing a book on Magna Carta, aren't you? Was there a sense of revolution in the air around Magna Carta? Magna Carta was very much the product of an uprising, mm. not, a, not a kind of uh, storm the barricades type uh, French-style revolution with the proletariat and all that necessarily, not that kind of thing necessarily, but there was an open rebellion going on. So King John in 1215 had been governing the, the kingdom in a way which people, which his senior 
members of his kingdom, his senior subjects, the magnates, the barons, to some extent the clergy, were getting fed up with the way he was running things. So they, they have an uprising against him. And Magna Carta is, in many ways, actually an attempt at a peace treaty yeah. between King John and his rebelling people. So yes, rebellion is very much part of it. So when people talk about the unbroken continuity of the English and UK constitution, gentle improvements, nothing too drastic happening, actually the historical record, and Magna Carta is a good example, mm. says something else. Was there some kind of court that was created by Magna Carta? What was the enforcement? Well, this is a very, very important point, and I, I can see it's important to the discussion of a written constitution, yeah. because how do you actually uphold it is a crucial question, and in some ways the most controversial bit around it. They actually have a uh, paragraph in, in the 1215 Magna Carta for the establishment of a committee of 25 barons whose job it will be effectively to monitor the compliance oh. by John and his officials with the, the commitments he's made in 1215 and they're entitled even to uh, to make war to uphold it if it gets to that point. I mean, it's English, not United Kingdom. Barely yeah. English because King John was in a sense fighting yeah. the English if yeah. they existed. Yeah. And he was a European monarch. Really. Oh, European yeah. monarch, yeah. exactly right. And it's clauses don't exactly strike one as relevant today. So no. what's the big pitch about, you're, you're going to be selling your book, you know, yeah, yeah, simply yeah. called Magna Carta? It's called Beyond Magna Carta, a constitution for the United Kingdom. Right, so you see, even yourself, you're hedging your bets. I am, If yeah. you're going beyond Magna Carta, yeah. what is it that you're going beyond? What's the value of it? Why that the starting point? Although it's not a full written constitution, and the concept of written constitution didn't really exist by this point in Europe anyway, uh, it does do some of the things that we would expect a written constitution to mm -hmm. do. It doesn't provide for fully blown universal rights, but it does have some protections for the privileges of certain groups right. in there. It's important because it's written down as well, and it, it does also deal with some of the institutions of government. It creates a mechanism whereby uh, the king has to consult with some of his senior people in his kingdom before raising taxes. So this is a kind of points in the direction yeah, of Parliament. So not democratic, but kind of trailblazing no. in, a, in exactly. a more abstract way. Exactly. Yeah. So it points towards some of these institutions. It deals with the nature of the legal system, which we'd expect a, a written constitution yeah. to do. But all of that's important. Then the other issue is, uh, Magna, from the point of view of written constitution debate, is that Magna Carta does then inspire people who go on to create written constitutions. Do you think we should have a written constitution here in the United Kingdom? We had two million people voting to leave the UK recently. If we think that's a problem, then you know maybe we need to look at ways that we can deal with that. One way which we've tried to deal with it is this thing called the vow, which made certain undertakings, including that the Scottish Parliament is permanent, which doesn't fit very well with yeah, our old constitution, exactly our doctrine of parliamentary sovereignty. So I think there are some problems. There are disagreements about the way the whole of the UK should be run. We also have some pretty big arguments going on around issues like the Human Rights Act, the European Convention on Human Rights. Yeah. Should we be signed up to these things? Should we be doing things a different way? I think there are some issues now around identity of the UK, and identity can be a very important part of a written constitution. Well, supposing the people empowered Andrew Blake to make yeah, one yeah. choice right. of a change to the constitution, which the people promised to turn into a part of their constitution. What would be your one preferred change? Well, this may sound like a cop-out, but I would introduce a proper mechanism for constitutional change, so that if you are going to fundamentally change the constitution, 
it doesn't rest on the shoulders of someone like me or some other self-appointed expert or some other small group of people, that it actually requires a higher level of consent, mm -hmm. which was you know, this principle going back to Anglo-Saxon times, if you're going to change the fundamental rules or write down the fundamental rules, you need a wider than normal level of agreement. I would, I would introduce that kind of clause, and I think once you've got that, you then work your way through to having a written constitution which actually sets out what are the fundamentals. doesn't mean they can't change, but it does mean that change has to be a slightly more consensual and considered process than it is at present. Uh, not a cop-out at all, Andrew Brick. Thank you very much, Andrew Brick. Pleasure. King's College and a new book coming out, the words Magna Carta will be remembered, I think you said beyond, beyond Magna, Magna Carta. Beyond Magna Carta, yes, indeed. Beyond Magna Carta, a constitution for the United Kingdom. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you very much.